Father, we cry out to you today, Lord, from our inmost beings. Lord, we cry to you, Lord God, that you would consume us from the inside out. Lord, change us, transform us into your own very image. And Lord, as we look into your word, we pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Guess what? It's December. Best month of the year. Christmas time. I hope you all are excited for Christmas, for December. Snow, maybe not so much. The Lord is good. We are coming to the end of our series of catalysts for spiritual growth. And at the end of this series, um, the last one that we're looking at is called personal disciplines. Now, we've looked at so many different things, and our prayer um, for you, for all of us, is that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through all of these various means that we've looked at over the past uh, four weeks, the fifth week today, seeing all of these various things, we want to grow in the grace of God. We want to be able to, um, our spiritual life should be changed. And this morning, I just want to look at a few spiritual disciplines. Now, you'd see in your bulletin a whole bunch of things at the back. Don't be overwhelmed, okay? I might go through some some of those things a little bit more than others. But spiritual disciplines are something that's very important in our lives. And you might ask yourself, well, what is a spiritual discipline? Well, spiritual disciplines are practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. They're habits of devotion, that have been practiced by believers since biblical times. Um, there are activities that we do. They're practices. They're not just thoughts or attitudes or grace or things like that. They're actual things that we do. Ways of knowing and experiencing God in order to grow in Christ-likeness. And that's so very important. Uh, there are many means and methods of spiritual disciplines... But the end goal is always Christ-likeness. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And what I'd like to challenge all of us, including myself this morning, is to be able to live disciplined lives, live with some of these spiritual disciplines that we're going to learn about this morning, for the purpose of godliness. For the purpose of godliness. Now another version says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now with spiritual disciplines, similar to training ourselves. For example, if I wanted to train myself, I would have to go to a gym. And I'd have to do some exercise and I have to go through certain things. right? And it's not going to happen overnight. Right? So, for example, if I wanted to have an arm wrestle with Nigel, Nigel's a big guy, I'm probably going to lose that arm wrestle. Right? But if I went to the gym and I lifted weights and I built myself up, then maybe after a year or two, I might be able to beat Nigel in an arm wrestle. But it's going to take, on my part, disciplined action to go over and over again, right? To be diligent, to be faithful, 
and in order so that I could build myself up in this area that I'm looking for. And in the same way, towards godliness, we need to discipline ourselves. There are means and methods that, we can, that the Lord has provided for us in Scripture where we can discipline our lives towards godliness. Now, Christ-likeness is something that we are aiming for. But the problem is if we do it in our own strength. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10 says, the, the Apostle Paul says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So in this verse, you can see this dual thing that's happening. That Paul is acknowledging the grace of God. But at the same time, he's saying that he is working and doing things by God's grace. In order so that he could grow and fulfill the will of God. Now, the greatest sermon ever preached is found in Matthew chapter 5 from Matthew chapter 5 to 8, and it's called the, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus taught some amazing, revolutionary ideas, things that some people had never even heard of. He talked about, uh, about loving your enemies. He talked about turning the other cheek. When someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other one. He talked about if someone asks you to go one mile with them, go with them an extra mile. He talked about if somebody asks for your coat, then give him your sweater as well. Um, He said to bless those that persecute you. He talked about all of these things that he wants us to do. And sometimes we try to do those things, but it doesn't happen. So for example, if I'm an angry man, and I get upset at the smallest thing, I could tell myself, I'm not going to get angry, I'm not going to get angry, I'm not going to get angry. But then something happens, and what comes out right away? Anger. And I fail. And I beat myself and think, why did I do this? But the spiritual disciplines are ways and means for us to develop our spiritual life and grow in Christ-likeness so that when something happens, the natural reaction is not anger, but the natural reaction is Christ-likeness, patience, love. And so that's why we want to talk about spiritual disciplines because it's a means of training ourselves in godliness. Right now, maybe our natural reaction if something happens is, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to yell, I'm going to scream. So we discipline ourselves towards godliness. We exercise ourselves with the spiritual disciplines. And as our life is being transformed little by little, as we are growing in Christ's likeness, then at a point in time in our life when someone says something, someone does something, and maybe before we would react right away with anger, now our reaction is Christ's likeness or like Christ would react with peace with love, and with grace. You know, in the Bible, in in the book of Acts, we see about a man named Stephen, and he was being stoned to death. And as he was being stoned to death, he prayed to God, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. How was that possible? How was he able to pray like that? And that's why these spiritual disciplines are needed in order so that our natural reaction in time of trial and in time of difficulty, will be a Christ-like reaction. And it doesn't happen overnight. 
That's why it's a spiritual discipline. That's why we are exercising ourselves towards godliness. Because it's working at it day by day by the grace of God. Allowing these spiritual disciplines to be in our life to transform us and to change us. In Acts chapter 3, we read about Peter and John. You know what they were doing? They were going up to the temple to pray. They were doing an ordinary thing. This was not something supernatural. This was not something, you know, great that they were doing. It was part of their life. It was part of their routine. It was part of their discipline to go up to the temple to pray. And as they went to the temple to pray, they saw a man who was lame. And they told that man, they said... I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I do have, I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what happened? Something supernatural happened. In the midst of something ordinary that they were doing, God did something extraordinary. And as we practice these spiritual disciplines, you might think, oh, this is so mundane. This is so ordinary. I'm telling you, Dear friends, as we put ourselves in the pathway of God's grace, as we put ourselves in the midst of these spiritual disciplines, as we do the ordinary, God will do the extraordinary. As we exercise ourselves in these spiritual disciplines, God is working in us. God is changing us. Out of the ordinary of these uh, spiritual disciplines, there is something extraordinary that's happening. There's something supernatural that's happening. And that's Christ-likeness in us. Right? So I want to look at this morning a few different avenues of grace. Okay? Um, and different things. Now I split them, up, split them up into like four main categories. Right? Of prayer and the word of God. And then personal and interpersonal. Now, the main two categories really are personal And interpersonal because prayer and the word of God can fit into those two categories. But because prayer and the word of God are just so important, I've pulled them out and left them separate. Okay, but they still do fall under those personal and interpersonal uh, categories. Okay, so I'm just going to give you an overview of this. It's not possible on a Sunday morning with the time that we have to go through all of this. This can be a whole other series in itself. But if you want to uh, understand or read a little bit more, I just want to recommend two books. One is called The Spirit of the Disciplines by uh, Dallas Willard. I'll use some of his quotes this morning as well. Um, and another book is called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Two good books if you'd like to uh, read up a little bit more and get a little bit more idea about these spiritual disciplines. I'm using some of their content as well this morning to share with you. So the first thing is prayer. And we talked about prayer some weeks ago. But prayer is a living and interactive relationship with God. It is conversing and communicating with God. And as we pray, uh, our prayer should be something that happens on a daily basis. And you might say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, prayer is just talking to God, expressing yourself to God. right? Just like you would converse with somebody else, you tell God how you're feeling. Jonathan Edwards, who was a promoter of these spiritual disciplines, he lived in the 1700s, um, it was written about him that, uh, I'll just read a portion here, it says, he began the day with private prayers, followed by family prayers, by candle night in the winter. Each meal was accompanied by household devotions, and at the end of each day, Sarah, his wife, joined him in his study for prayers. Jonathan kept secret the rest of his daily devotional routine, following Jesus' command to pray in secret. 
although uh, uh, throughout the day, his goal was to remain constantly with a sense of living in the presence of God, as difficult as that might be. Often he added secret days of fasting and additional prayers. And so we see throughout his life, we see that he was a person that was disciplined in prayer. Now, a few different uh, things to talk about under prayer. Number one is consistency. Prayer needs to be something that's consistent. And this applies actually to all of these disciplines. Because for anything to be a discipline in our lives, it has to be consistent. Right? If I said I'm just going to go to the gym once a week, and then after a year, Nigel, I'm coming to see you for this arm wrestle, I'm going to lose. Right? Because it has to be something that's consistent. Prayer needs to be consistent. First Thessalonians says, pray continually. Right? Pray continually, right? For these disciplines to work, there needs to be some sort of consistency. Get up in the morning and pray, or at nighttime, pray, or during the day, pray. Pick a time and and be consistent in it. Pick a place and be consistent in it. I want to just challenge you this morning in terms of prayer. In our daily life, let's be consistent in something. I'm so blessed to be able to see some of the men come out on Wednesday morning for our our men's prayer at 6 a.m., Thank God for the men that are coming out. There's still more room, right? We're meeting in the prayer, the prayer room back there. I'm hoping that we'll outgrow that in a little while and we'll move over here maybe, right? So, but pick a time to pray and pray consistently. Just talk to God. Develop a relationship with him. Worship. Another aspect of prayer is worship. It's adoration. It's thanksgiving. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 to 20 says, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an aspect of prayer that's worship. It's just expressing our heart to God, adoring God, loving God. I remember some time ago I was in, uh, when I was in Mexico and we were doing a youth convention and um, I was in my hotel room, and I was going through a really difficult time. And it was Sunday morning, and I had to give the message that morning. And I was really burdened because of this, uh, this uh, issue that was going on. And I was just praying to the Lord, and I was asking God, God, I need your help. I need to share your word this morning, and, and, and I need you to, you to help me. You know what happened at that time? At that time, I just felt the presence of God just come into my hotel room at that time. I felt like heaven came down. I felt the presence of God tangibly in an amazing way. I just started running around in my hotel room, right? And I was just singing and I was just enjoying God. I felt God's presence come and just take that burden right away. And it was in this time of prayer and adoration and worship to God, I felt all the burdens going. And God's presence come in and, and change the whole situation around. There are times of prayer that are petitionary, that we ask the Lord, Lord, please do this. There are other times of prayer where we just worship God, that we allow God to come and fill us. Next thing, I know this is not the very thing you probably want to hear, fasting, right? Fasting is an exceptional measure designed to channel and express our desire for God and our holy discontent in a fallen world. It's a voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. I'll say that again. It's a voluntary denial 
of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Now, fasting can be in many forms. Uh, the most common uh, being that of food, to abstain from food. And there are a variety of ways to fast as well. You could fast completely by not eating food completely, or you can fast from a meal. You can fast from solid foods and just drink liquids. And there's so many different ways in which uh, you can fast in terms of fasting from food. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. So you could fast from your phone, you could fast from your computer, you could fast from sports, from your TV, internet, things like that. Anything, it's things that are legitimate, but you put it aside in order to seek the Lord, right? And there are things that can be accomplished during our times of fasting, deeper prayer, seeking counsel from God, times of grief. Uh, We can seek God in fasting and prayer during that time, expressing repentance, humbling ourselves, before God, overcoming temptation or, or seeking some type of deliverance or even just expressing our love to God can be done as we deny ourselves from uh, food or whatever else it might be. Matthew 4 verse 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? And so fasting is an important spiritual discipline and you know, oh, that's a little bit hard to do, but just try it a little bit. In, in any of these spiritual disciplines, if there's something that I'm talking about this morning and you feel like, yeah, that totally doesn't make sense to me, I just want to challenge you. Just try a little bit. I'm not saying, you know, go for a 40-day fast starting tomorrow. No, right? But try something out and see what it does for you, right? Fast, maybe skip a meal. Maybe put your phone away for, for a certain amount of time and see how that might help you in order to seek the face of the Lord. Jesus taught about fasting in that same Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 from verses 16 to 18. And there came a time when uh, some people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, why do your disciples not fast? And Jesus basically said, they don't fast because I'm with them right now. But there'll be a time coming when I am going to go away and then they will fast. We're living in that time right now, right? But make sure there's some prayer along with the fasting because then it's just starving, right? Okay, in seeking God. Hearing from God is another aspect of prayer because prayer shouldn't just be a one-way street, right? Prayer needs to be a two-way communication with God. We need to be able to hear his voice, spending time in his presence. John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we go to silence and and solitude. The next major category is the word of God. Now, there was a man once and he, uh, he was very diligent to come to church. And he came to church for decades. He would come to church. But one time he came up to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I'm quitting church. And the pastor said, why are you quitting church? He's like, I come on Sunday morning. I hear the message. By Monday, I've forgotten what the message is about. It's not doing me any good. He's like, I'm going to quit church. There's no point in me coming and hearing the message. The pastor responded to that man, and he said, you know, I've been married for about 40 years. And in those 40 years, my wife has cooked me countless number of meals. So many meals. And you know what? I can't remember one of them. But do you know that those meals have nourished me and kept me alive? 
I have been fed and I am healthy because of those meals. And he said, you might not remember all of those things that you heard, but as we have this discipline of hearing the voice of God, hearing the word of God, coming to the house of God, we'll get to that in a moment, as we have these disciplines in our lives worked out, it is God that is working in us, transforming us, changing us, little by little. You're not going to be a tremendous saint tomorrow, but little by little, as we exercise ourselves towards godliness, then these things are formed in our lives. So about the word of God, daily reading, it's so important. Spend time in the word of God on a daily basis. Now, if you all didn't connect the dots, the skit today was about our message, spiritual disciplines. Thank God for, for Sophie and Annie, they did a beautiful job talking about the importance of Bible reading, the importance of devotions, the importance of daily devotions, not just, oh, it's just for Sunday. I'll open up my Bible when I come to church on Sunday morning and the pastor uh, you know, reads a verse. No, it's about daily spending time in the word of God. Right? Psalm 119 and verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The light of the word of God instructs us and teaches us how we should walk. We don't want to walk in darkness. Now, there's so many different ways to read the Bible. You can start from the beginning and go to the end. I'd probably recommend that you start somewhere in the middle in the New Testament and read some of those uh, books first if you're totally new to the Bible. There's various Bible reading records that you can get. Nowadays, as they said in the skit, you could download an app and you can follow a Bible reading uh, a chart according to that. Now at Christmas time, they have specialized uh, plans that you could follow that talk about the Christmas story and things like that. I was so blessed to hear about the youth. They've gotten together. There's a, a Bible app called YouVersion. And uh, if you get together with your friends, you could... Uh, read a, a portion together. I think they're doing the uh, Gospel of Luke and they're, they're, they're reading through it and uh, there's some accountability that's there because one person will be able to say, yeah, I read this portion and then the other people will say, oh yeah, I got to catch up and read that as well. And uh, even last night, some of the young adults, one of the young adults texted me and said, hey, we're starting this, this uh, Bible reading plan. Do you want to join with us? And so there's different ways in which uh, we could read the Word of God, but it's so important for us to daily read the Word of God. How many of us eat every day? So our outward man, our, 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 our body is being fed. If God were to look inside our soul and our spirit, I wonder how many, how many of us are starving because we're not feeding ourselves with the word of God daily. Maybe we're eating once a week. Imagine if you just ate once a week. Imagine if you just Sunday after the service, I'm going out for my meal and that's all I'm going to eat for the whole week. It's not really going to work too well, right? Meditation is important as well. Don Whitney said, deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture for the purposes of understanding, application, and prayer. This is what meditation is. Deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture. Hearing God's voice and obeying his word. Now, this is fundamentally different from what has caught on from other religious systems, new age methods, right? In some of those systems and methods, it's about emptying out your mind and, you know, clearing yourself of all of these things. No, in meditation, we are filling our mind with the word of God. We are filling our mind with biblical and theological substance and then digesting it so that it can benefit our spiritual life for spiritual growth. We are exercising ourselves towards 
godliness. Psalm 1 speaks about the blessed man who will prosper. That blessed man, what does he do? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates every Sunday. Oh, your version doesn't say that? Oh, it says day and night, right? Yeah, we just probably don't do that. It says that who meditates on his law, day and night. Joshua 1 verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. These are the avenues that God is allowing for us. These are the exercises, the spiritual exercises. Exercise ourselves towards godliness. Meditate on the word of God day and night. Digest it. Take it in. Psalm 119 talks a lot about meditating on God's word, on his works, on his precepts, on his statutes, on his testimonies. Thomas Watson said, the reason we come away so cold from reading the word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fires of meditation. Do we come away from reading the Bible? Maybe we say, oh, I got to read the Bible and, you know, read the Bible just very quickly. Okay, I did my one chapter. That's it. No, it's about meditating as well. Be warmed by the fires of meditation. There's so many different things that we can do. There's a practice called Lectio Divina, which talks about reading the scripture a few different times and, 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 uh, and uh, digesting what's written there. So when you're reading a portion, maybe take a chapter, right? Read through it once. Slowly, then read through it again, slowly, then read through it again, and wait and see if something jumps out to you, a a word, a phrase, something that comes and meditate on it. And if you do it in the morning, then chew on that throughout the day. Maybe there's a word that God gives you from that chapter, a phrase. Think about it during the day. Meditate on it during the day. Maybe that's something there that God speaks to you right in the beginning of the day that's going to help you towards the end of your day. We're not after information. We are after formation. We're not after information. We are after formation. Exercise yourself towards godliness. Right? Exercise yourself towards godliness. Right? Jonathan Edwards said, Sometimes only mentioning a single word caused my heart to burn within me. Just a single word caused my heart to burn within me. Study. It talks about studying the word of God and keeping these, um, uh, keeping the, the law of God. I think they read this verse as well. Uh, Sophie, I think, read this verse. Second, um, Second Timothy chapter uh, 2 and verse 15 about uh, studying to, uh, studying to uh, be approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, Right? Sorry, I went one. That's the verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. So the result of God's word should be motivating us and moving us, filling our minds as we study. Journaling is another practice as well, that uh, as you write things down, you're able to uh, think about what God is speaking to you. You hear from the Lord. It's, it's a good way of remembering what God has done in the past so that you can... Praise God in the future. There are times when we'll go through trials and difficulties. And then we got to look back and see, oh, God, help me at this time. And through journaling, there's a way of sort of concentrating our thoughts uh, as we examine our lives. It's a time of maybe self-reflection, self-examination, and putting it down on paper. There's something about just writing it down 
and putting it on paper for some people that sort of stamps it on the soul. Memorization is another important, uh, important thing. In Colossians, it talks about how the, the word of Christ should dwell in us richly and abundantly. You know, Jesus used the word of God to fight against the devil when he was going through a time of temptation. And as we memorize the scriptures, it will help us in our prayers because we can just quote the scriptures as a, as a prayer to the Lord. We can quote the promises of God back to the Lord, right? So maybe pick a portion like, for example, 1 Corinthians 13. It's a chapter about love. Maybe take that chapter and maybe one verse every week, memorize that one verse, and the next week, memorize the next verse, and the next week, memorize the next verse. In three months' time, you'd have that whole chapter memorized. You know, there are people in other parts of the world that are going through persecution, and they don't have a Bible, and some of them memorize chapters of the Bible just so that the Word of God can be in them. I'm just going to go very quickly here about personal and interpersonal. So the personal is silence and solitude. These two things are connected together. I know I split it up there, but they're, they're, they're very connected together. We, we live in a world where there's just so much noise. There's so many things going on round about us. We, we're, we're, it, it's so hard to be in a place of silence. But in the busyness of life, a spiritual discipline is to take time away in order to spend time in God, in, with God in silence. And in solitude, right? I know you're waiting for me to say something. Sometimes silence can be deafening. You know, if you have two people that are sitting together, if they love each other, they can sit in silence. If they don't, you know what that's called? Awkward silence. You're waiting for the first person to say something. Right? You don't want to, like, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're meeting somebody, you're going for a coffee with somebody, no one's talking? Well, it's awkward. You pick a topic to talk about. But if you're in love with somebody, the silence is fellowship. Silence speaks volumes. And in love with Jesus, silence is so important. Right? Solitude is so important. Uh, Dallas Willard said, the life alienated from God collapses when deprived of its support from a sin-laden world. But the life in tune with God is actually nurtured by time spent alone. You know, Jesus spent so much time by himself as well. That's where he received strength. He went alone. He withdrew himself to pray You know, he spent so many days even in the wilderness in times of silence and solitude. Spent time with his heavenly father. And so in the busyness of life, we need to run to the Lord. Jonathan Edwards said, I I very frequently used to retire into a solitary place on the banks of the Hudson River at some distance from the city for contemplation and divine things and secret converse with God and had many sweet Hours there. Silence and solitude. A beautiful spiritual discipline where we can spend time with God away from the busyness of life. Frugality or simplicity is something that's very important as well. It's a discipline. You know, the, it's an it's a inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. If our internal focus is to seek God to seek God and his kingdom first, 
then it will result in a way of life on the outward. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6 and verse 6 to 8 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be, or we should be content with that. Happiness is not about the possession of things. It's about our identity in Christ. And this is in stark opposition to the culture of the world today. So let's learn to live simple lives, to help the poor. One of the things, if you read through the the book of Acts and even through the epistles, one of the things that the apostles in the early church were so mindful of is to help the poor. And I think in the world that we live in today, we are so blessed with so much. And thank God for our Hampers of Hope program that's going on where we can meet the need of, of, of people that are less fortunate than us. And there's so much need in the world today. And so let's live in simplicity. You know, there is a saying You can't take your riches with you. Have you heard that before? Do you want me to dispel that? I think you can take your riches with you. I'm not preaching heresy here. You know how you can take your riches with you? Invest your riches in people. And when those people are in heaven, you have your riches with you there. Take your riches with you. Invest in people. There's so many people in need around us. Make that investment. It goes along with sacrifice, that we forsake the, the, the security of meeting our needs in order to surrender to God in complete faith and hope. You know, Jesus said that if, you want, if we want to be his disciple, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow the Lord. It's, it's a life of sacrifice that God is calling us to live. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Anyone here waiting for Christ to call? Not after I put up this quote. But that's the calling that God has called us to. That's what God wants us to, to do. That's part of a spiritual discipline, sacrifice, living a, not living a self-centered life but living a sacrificial life. It's part of this discipline of a daily, daily aspect of taking up our cross daily, dying daily, sacrificing daily. And as these things are formed in our lives, as these disciplines are formed in our lives, we are putting ourselves in the avenues of grace and exercising ourselves towards godliness, the type of life that God is calling us to live. Finally, the interpersonal. Just very quickly, because we've covered some of these things in some of the previous messages as well. One thing is fellowship. We've talked about that, coming together you know, to worship the Lord, joining a life group. In, 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 the gospel, in the book of Acts, it talks about how they fellowshiped one with another. They broke bread. It's, again, we talked about some of this before, but the point I want to highlight is, let it be a discipline. Let it be something that we do continually, consistently. It's part of our life. And as we do it continually and consistently, then it becomes a rhythm of our life. It becomes a means of godliness so that when an instantaneous thing happens and we have to react, we react how Christ would react. Not in our own anger or impatience or things like that. Celebration and worship, coming together on a Sunday morning service. You know, nowadays, uh, sad to say, you know, uh, a Sunday morning is like, oh, well, if I feel like it, I'm going to come on Sunday morning. I remember growing up as a kid, we never asked our parents, are we going to church today on a Sunday morning? It was just a given. It was a, it was a discipline that we had. This is part of our life. This is part of what we do. This is a, a, something that's very consistent in our lives. It's not, oh, it's raining today, I'm not going to go. 
No, but it's, a, it's something that's very disciplined. It's so important. And the book of Hebrews talks about that. Don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together. Service is another important thing where we engage in serving others and helping others. It, it becomes a means of our life. Jesus gave us a beautiful example when he washed the disciples' feet. And he showed us how we should serve. He said, if I am your Lord and Master, have done this, then follow in my ways. Put ourselves in the ways of service. In your bulletin today, there's various service opportunities that's there. If you want to read some of those things, areas that we need help in serving. And maybe there's something that you can do there. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working to, uh, to serve the Lord. Confession is another important thing, right? Sometimes you don't want to hear this, but in Proverbs it says, if you, whoever conceals their sins will not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces will find mercy. And so this, this discipline of transparency and vulnerability are aids to our spiritual growth. We stop hiding, we stop pretending, but we make confession in order to grow spiritually. And maybe this, was, this should be with a mature Christian friend or a qualified minister or pastor or even a spiritual director or, or somebody that's there to be able to help you and to promote spiritual growth in your life. It's very important. And finally, submission. Now, within a, within a fellowship, within humility, within honesty, transparency, confession, vulnerability, there is this discipline of submission that's very important. Hebrews 13 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to the authority because they watch over you as those who must give an account. Ephesians also says, Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. And so this idea of submission is is putting us in a place where we can go to people maybe with more experience and more wisdom and more uh, understanding and guidance. Maybe it's some some type of mentorship relationship. Maybe it's someone that's uh, older in the faith where you go to them and you develop a relationship with them where you can pray together, where you can support one another. Where uh, Pastor Kevin already talked about providential relationships that happen. But it should be a discipline. Let it continue. Right? Not so much of a one-off thing, but let it continue. Grow in that. Uh, I want to just read you a quote here by, by Jonathan Edwards. He says, The enjoyment of him, Christ, is our highest happiness and is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Better than fathers and mothers, husbands and wives or children, or the company of any or all earthly friends. These are but shadows. And listen exactly what he says here. But God is the substance. We are putting ourselves in these spiritual disciplines. We're putting ourselves in these avenues of grace. We're exercising ourselves towards godliness so that Christ's likeness can be produced in our lives. And so then when we get to heaven, we see the fullness of what we are working at here. And he says, he says, these are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. So as we put ourselves into these spiritual disciplines, as we put ourselves into these, uh, into these ways of grace, these avenues of grace where we allow God to work in our lives, we discipline our lives, 
we experience a little bit of what he's reserving for us in eternity. They're just but drops in the ocean. The singers can come. I'll just close with this, this story here about a, a grandfather and his son, his, sorry, his grandson. And the grandfather, he would get up early in the morning and read the Bible every day. And his grandson saw this and he said, Grandpa, I want to be able to read the Bible like you. Can you teach me how to read the Bible? And the grandfather said, yes, I'll teach you. And he, and he, and he taught him how to, how to read the Bible. And, and the, the grandson came back and said, Grandpa, I don't understand all of these things that it's talking about. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if this is really effective. And so the grandfather said, do you see that old coal basket that's there, that dirty old coal basket? I want you to take that basket, go down to the river, fill it with water, and come back. And so the grandson went with that basket. He filled it up with water. But of course, it was a, it was a basket, and there were holes in it. And as he's running back to the house, all the water is dripping out of it. And then he says, Grandpa, I don't have any water. He said, go back. He went back, filled it with water, and came, and... Nothing. And the grandpa said, you got to do it faster. So he said, okay, he ran back there, filled with water, ran back to the grandfather. Nothing. And he's like, this is useless. I'm going to get a pail. And the grandfather said, no, I don't want a pail of water. I want a basket of water. And so he ran down again. He's like, I'm going to try my hardest. And he filled it with water. He came back again. He said, grandpa, this is useless. There's nothing happening. The grandfather said, look at the basket. That dirty old coal basket. It's clean. The disciplines that God allows us to have in our lives. We might not see the minute ways in which it's working in our lives and changing and transforming us. But as we do them, he's changing us into his image. He's changing us into Christ-likeness. The, the, the worship team is going to sing a song. There's, going, there's not going to be words on the on the screen. Just want us to meditate on the words. After they finish singing, we're just going to have a moment of silence. And ask the Lord, Lord, help me to apply some of these disciplines in my life. Maybe it's not, and I'm not saying you got to do everything. Maybe pick one. Maybe pick two that are standing out to you and say, I need to do this. I need to start doing this. And let's seek the Lord. Let's grow in our intimacy with Christ. Let's run after him. Let's kneel in prayer. Let's seek him with all of our heart. Drink from the cup.
So. Oh. 